how often do you have important conversations? We may each describe conversations or determine what constitutes an important conversation a little differently. But certainly, all of us would say there are times and places that we have important conversations. These may happen in your home with people who live with you. They may happen at work with people you work with. Important conversations may happen with relatives, with friends, neighbors, coworkers. You fill in the blank. Certainly, we would all say that we have important conversations. But whatever you qualify as important conversations, I can tell you what the most important conversations of your life are. I know. prayer. There are no more important conversations that you have in life than prayer. Prayer is not simply empty words hurled up at the sky, directed at no one in particular. They are the most important conversations of our lives because they are directed to the God of the universe. At least for the believer in and follower of Jesus. As we continue our study in the gospel according to Luke, a request from one of Jesus' disciples sparked by his own regular conversations with the Father, led to him teaching his disciples about the nature of prayer. And Jesus' teaching reveals that prayer is the most important conversation that we have in life. Follow along as I read in Luke chapter 11, the first 13 verses of the chapter beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Let's pray. Father, I ask you today to please be with us. As we look to your word, we need your help. Spirit, give us power to speak the word, to hear the word, and to heed the word as you lead. I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. A pastor writing about prayer said that Talking about it often makes us feel scrutinized or nervous. And the reason for this is because prayer is the equivalent, the spiritual equivalent, equivalent of nutrition and exercise. In other words, we know we could always do better. We never reach the climax of where we can be in this area. But today, let's recognize and acknowledge it. That yes, we could do better. But rather than feeling like we're being scrutinized, or rather than feeling nervous about approaching a subject, we know we could always do better. And let's simply determine to learn something from our Savior and be more transformed into his likeness. This is for our good. Sometimes we forget that conviction is for our good. Recognizing that there are areas we still need to grow in is not for our hurt. It's for our benefit. It's for our growth. So from Luke 11, 1 through 13, let's look at three parts to these most important conversations of our lives. I want you to see, first of all, in the text, we find the solicitation of prayer. That's what happens in verse number one. I don't care for riddles. Anyone here like riddles? Like, not you like to ask them and irritate other people with them, but you, you like to be asked 
riddles. Is there anyone like that? I don't like riddles. I don't like questions that make my brain have to think too much or questions that make my brain hurt. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had those kind of questions? I know that um, I was a college student at one point, and I asked one of those questions to one of my professors. It was a Tuesday-Thursday class, and on Thursday, I asked a question about something we were going through. It was in um, church organization and administration, I think, was the class, and I asked a specific question on Thursday. And the professor told me he wanted to give it some thought and get back to me. On Tuesday, we gathered in class, and the professor said, I don't know who asked me that question. Who asked me that question? I raised my hand. And he pointed right at me, and he said, you ruined my whole weekend. I spent the entire weekend reading and thinking and meditating on that question. I, I guess I made his brain hurt a little bit. I don't care for questions that, that make my brain hurt, for riddles. But here's a theological reality that will make your brain hurt, if you think about it. The Bible teaches that there is one God. Are we in agreement? But this one God is seen throughout the Bible in three persons. Does your brain hurt yet? You say, yeah, I know that, but think about that. I have seen explanations of what we call the Trinity. I've, I've heard illustrations to try to illustrate it. But if we're all honest, it is a really difficult concept to understand, let alone teach somebody else so they understand it. It's difficult. And if that weren't the end of it, look at what we see being described here. One of the three persons of the one God, who, by the way, we believe are equal. They're equal in power. They're equal in authority. They're of one essence. They're, of, they're, they're equal in every way we can imagine and think about. But yet, Jesus, whom we know to be God the Son, especially while he was here in the world, submitted himself to and prayed to God the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes my brain hurt a little bit. It's hard to understand. It's hard to teach so that someone else can understand, yet we believe it to be true because it's what the Bible teaches us. And we see the Trinity appearing all together in different places. We know that they were all together and involved in creation. God the Father, by His will, spoke creation into existence through God the Son and God the Holy Spirit was there involved and present in all of it according to the first few verses of Genesis 1. In Matthew chapter 3, 
Jesus, God the Son, goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. God the Father speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Spirit in the form of a dove descends upon him. One God in three persons, equal in every way. And yet here, God the Son is submitting himself to and praying to God the Father. It's hard to understand, and yet it's what the Bible teaches and it wasn't that Jesus did this once. He did it regularly. His disciples saw it. They regularly saw Jesus go off by himself. Go up into a mountain. Walk out into the wilderness. To get alone with and pray to his father. And on this particular occasion... One of them said, Master, teach, instruct us to pray. Now the reality is that these followers of Jesus likely were already praying. The Jew Jewish religion had specific times set aside throughout the day to pray specific prayers that they would recite it's not as if these followers weren't already praying but they must have seen something different about the way Jesus related to God and it was something that drew them in that incited their their consideration that incited their interest for Jesus to teach them to pray. And so let's join them as Jesus teaches them about praying. The solicitation of prayer, Lord, teach us to pray. Number two, I want you to see this, the substance of prayer. How many of you have been somewhere before where the Lord's Prayer was recited almost as a um, just a form of tradition. It was something that happened at these occasions regularly. Me too. It, it happened at school where I went to college. There was a particular program that took place on a regular basis throughout the school year, and that type of program, every time it came up, Someone would walk to the platform and open by inviting all of us to stand and recite the Lord's Prayer together. And sometimes when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we think that perhaps that is what Jesus is, is doing. He's, he's giving us a formula that we need to use and follow and even recite every time we pray. Is that really what Jesus' intention was? The answer is no. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't or can't pray the very words of Jesus? Well, of course not. We can't. And I would even go so far as to say there are times when we should. Not out of rote tradition, but as the Spirit leads us in prayer. But as I was thinking about this idea of the substance of prayer, the 
truth that Jesus was really driving at. Something happened just this morning that changed my approach to this portion of the text. As I was spending time with God personally this morning through prayer and in his word, I read a devotion with a Bible passage that dealt with prayer. And the pastor who shared the devotion shared about an experience of praying with one of his children that left him challenged about his prayer life. And part of it that convicted me greatly was his recognition, what this pastor wrote, that God shared titles with him. Father. This doesn't relate directly to a message on prayer per se, but it convicted me greatly as I thought about that truth that God has shared his title with me, Father. And for myself and for any of you who are fathers out there, can I remind you that we are to image God the Father as we father our children. But then at the same time, it comforted me greatly. As Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. What is prayer? When you get right down to it, what is prayer? We might define prayer different ways. We might describe prayer different ways in ways that, that maybe all would be true. But I want to give you three thoughts about the substance of prayer, what prayer is that I believe will help you and perhaps even transform the way you approach and think about prayer. Number one, would you note Prayer is conversing with a father who loves you unconditionally. Prayer is conversing with a father who loves you unconditionally. How do you approach God? When you pray, when you worship God, when you get alone with him, when you set aside time to spend with God, how do you approach him? Even, not, not, not just physically, but in your spirit. How do you approach God? Prior to Jesus, in the Jewish religion, approaching God was all about religiosity and ritualism. There were certain times and certain ways and certain things they had to do to come to meet with God, to approach God. Do you know that's the way that some of us view approaching God still? If you're a parent, I want you to remember the way your children came to you when they had need, fear, or excitement they wanted to share with you. When there was something they needed, 
when they had a fear, when there was something that really excited them and, and they wanted to share those things with you, how do your children approach you? Do you realize today that that's how Jesus tells us to pray? Jesus didn't say, you know, you still have to do all these religious things. You still have to follow all these rituals to approach God. No, Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. You approach him as a father. That's how Jesus tells us to pray. Friends, listen, God isn't a genie in a lamp who is a slave to our wishes. Nor is he a master who makes it difficult or even impossible for you to get to him. He is a father who loves you like no other. He loves you with an unfailing and unending love. And maybe it's hard for you to see God that way. Because you had or have an earthly father who didn't or doesn't love you that way. He doesn't love you the way a father should love his children. And so he wasn't or hasn't been an image of God to you. And it makes it challenging for you to view God as a loving father. That image that you have of that earthly father who wasn't a good father is not God nor his love. Perhaps you've had a good father who loved you or loves you well. He still doesn't love you as well as God does. You see, prayer isn't about rubbing a lamp and, and requesting some genie that all your wishes be granted, but nor is it about God being a master above us who makes it difficult or impossible to get to him. No, Jesus said it was this simple. When you pray, say, Our Father, why? Because prayer is about conversing with a Father who loves you unconditionally. John wrote this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Friend, do you understand today that God loves you so much that through faith in Jesus Christ, he calls you son or daughter. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them, those who received Jesus, gave he, gave God power to become the sons of God. That's how much God loves you. He chose you. He adopted you. He gave his best for you. And by the way, he still wants to give his best for you and to you. 
Do you remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8? About this God who loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus for us and nothing can separate us from his love. And he said this, essentially, if God who gave you his son would give his son for you, how will he not also with him freely give you all things? Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from where? Above. From the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can I ask you today, do you pray to God like you are praying to a Father who loves you unconditionally? Is that how you approach God? Because that is who God is, and that is what prayer is. It's a conversation with someone who loves you unconditionally. Number two, prayer is conversing with a father who listens to you attentively. I will admit that there are times when it feels like God isn't listening to me. Is anyone else willing to admit that today? There are times when you approach God, when I approach God, and I call out to him, and it it feels like he's not listening. Like maybe he's not there. Or he's asleep. Or worse yet, he doesn't care. He's ignoring me. There are times the psalmist felt that way. Several passages in Psalms record the psalmist telling God to hear him. Here's an example, Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And you read statements like that all through the Psalms where he feels this need to tell God, hear me, listen to me when I cry out to you. And I have to ask myself, why? Why would he do that? And the only answer I can come up with without making my brain hurt is that he's human like I, he was human like I am and there were times he felt God wasn't listening. That God didn't hear him. But I noticed something about Jesus' model prayer in Luke chapter 11. There doesn't seem to be any question about God hearing him, does there? Jesus doesn't seem to question whether or not the Father is listening, whether or not he hears Jesus assumes, even believes, that God does. And isn't that the assurance that we have from the scriptures? We read it earlier in 1 John chapter 5, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, what? He heareth us. 
You've heard me use the verse again and again. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, do you remember what does he invite us to bring as prayer to God? Be careful for nothing but in everything, right? So in 1 John chapter 5, he tells us anything. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells us everything. In other words, anything and everything is what God invites you to come and call out to him about, and he hears. The invitation from God is to bring any and every request. And by the way, do you believe God invites disingenuously? Do you think that God would extend an invitation that he isn't sincere about? Friends, here's what I believe today. When God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. I believe that that is a genuine invitation to everyone. When the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, I believe that that is a genuine um, expression of the heart of God that he desires no one to perish eternally. And in the same way that I believe that to be true, I believe when God says, call to me about anything, talk to me about everything, that that is not some insincere invitation where God will decide when he will and won't listen to me. If he invites any and every request, it's because he listens attentively to all the calls of his children. What is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with a father who loves you unconditionally. Prayer is a conversation with a father who listens to you attentively. And then thirdly, notice this. Prayer is conversing with a father who lavishes on you graciously. Can I be honest with you today? I think I have been throughout the message, but it's one of those things we say that we shouldn't. But I don't like telling my kids no. Are there any other parents like that? I don't. When my children ask me for something, ask me to do something, I don't like saying no. I want to say yes all the time. I want to give them what they ask for. I, I want to do anything that they ask me to do with them. I, I just don't like saying no to my children. I like to spoil my kids. I do. Do you understand that we have a heavenly father who enjoys lavishing on his children? He does. Look at the variety of the requests Jesus modeled in this prayer to the father. 
Jesus spoke about praying about participation in God's will. Daily provision. Forgiveness for our failures and strength to forgive those who have failed us. Deliverance from temptation and evil. All with the expectation that God will hear and respond to these and much more. Can I remind you today that our Father is one who gives above and beyond what we can think, ask, and certainly we deserve. Do you know that today? He gives more than you can think. He gives more than you ask. He gives more than you and I deserve. Prayer can include many things. Praise, supplication, intercession, asking for personal needs and the needs of others, confession, and we can go on. But whatever you pray for today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next, remember these truths. You pray to a father who loves you unconditionally. To a father who listens to you attentively and who lavishes on you graciously. And then I want you to see number three today, the sides of prayer. The remainder of the passage includes two illustrations that sandwich an application about two sides of prayer. The human side and the divine side. Now let me show you what I mean. As you read the two illustrations found in verses 5 through 8 and 11 through 13, they almost seem to contrast a little bit. Almost to the extent of, we might even say, contradict a little. And this is why God is showing us two sides of prayer. The human side, as we look heavenward, and the divine side as God looks earthward. Let me show you the human side. Look at verses 5 through 8. And understand, God is illustrating prayer. Look at the verses again. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now think for just a moment. In the illustration, who would you say represents the prayer? The one who's praying. The one who goes to his friend's house, knocks on the door at midnight, and asks for bread, right? That's the prayer. Okay, who is the one being prayed to? Who represents that person in the illustration? The friend who's in bed, right? Who gets up and answers and says, I'm in bed with my kids. It's late. Go away. Now, does this describe the reality of how God operates in prayer? 
or the way we sometimes perceive God to operate in prayer. The illustration describes a man with an urgent need that has to be provided for now. His friend, awakened at midnight, hesitates to meet the need and even says, no, go away. It's, it's late. I'm in bed with my kids. It, it's too late. I'm not going to get up and do that now. Get lost. But the one with the need just keeps knocking. He keeps asking. He keeps over and over again to the point that the friend finally gets up and begrudgingly meets the need. Now, is that the way God operates in prayer? And the answer is no. But the reality is, there are times when it seems to me that God isn't listening, that he isn't answering, that he's hesitating or just straight up denying me. But that's not how God operates. Yes, it's how it feels sometimes. And that's why this describes the human side of prayer. As I look heavenward, as I ask, as I seek, as I knock, sometimes it seems like God isn't listening. Sometimes it seems like God doesn't care. Sometimes it seems like he's sleeping. Sometimes it seems like he's even just straight up denying me, telling me to go away. It's late. I'm not interested. It seems that way sometimes. And that's why God, Jesus says from the human side, as I look heavenward, my approach to prayer should be one of importunity. It's a really interesting word that's only used here in the whole Bible. And it's a word that means insolence not a word we use a lot nowadays but i think we understand when someone is speaking to an authority and they're being very disrespectful and and even um brazen in their approach we might say that that person's being insolent it also has the idea of shamelessness boldness persistence in these it goes along with what the writer of Hebrews wrote when he said this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, friends, there may be times when it seems like God isn't listening, like God's asleep, like you're having to beg and you're having to wait like you're trying to get God to move when he doesn't really want to. And I don't mean to be irreverent, but it's almost like God is a stubborn donkey that we're trying to get up and move along. That's the way it seems to us at times. Now, God does not operate that way. That is not his character. That's not what he's told us about himself, but that is the way it seems at times. And so Jesus says, don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. 
keep asking keep seeking keep knocking and then i'll hasten on i want you to see the divine side god says jesus says this is god's side of it now as heaven looks down toward earth sometimes we look up and it seems like god hesitates he doesn't care but this is the Godward side, beginning in verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, what are the next three words? What? How much more? Now, you could stop right there and recognize that God's talking about some good things, right? Just like I'm a dad who doesn't like to say no to my children, I like to lavish on them. That's who God the Father is, even more so than I am. I'm evil. I, I'm corrupt human nature. There are times that my interaction with my children is more about me than it is them. More about my benefit than it is theirs. More about my convenience than theirs. Do you understand today that God is better than you? He's better than me. And his side of prayer is this. I give good things to my kids. In fact, how much more? They ask me for a fish, and I don't come and say, here's a serpent, ah, I gotcha. God says they ask for a fish, and I give them a whole boatload of fish. God says they ask for a loaf of bread, and I don't show up with a scorpion. <laughs> gotcha. Enjoy that. I show up with a whole truckload of bread. God says, if you ask, I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you a whole lot more than what you ask. And it will always be good. Now, we admit it doesn't always feel that way, right? We don't always understand in the moment why God does what he does, or why he gives what he gives, or seems to not give what he seems to not give. And while it doesn't always feel this way to us, this is the way God operates in prayer. He sees the need of his children. He knows how to give them good things, and he does so above measure. And then right in the middle of the two illustrations is the application. Look at verses 9 and 10. They're familiar. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Okay, so here's the human side. Ask. The present indicative tense in the Greek, it means repeated or continued action. You ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and just keep on asking. 
you seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and just keep on seeking. You knock and you knock and knock and knock and just keep on knocking. That's the human side, and that's what it feels like at times. And that is what we should do. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And here's the God side. If you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, I'll show you. You'll find. If you knock, I'm going to open the door. understand this today this is prayer it's a conversation with a father who loves you unconditionally who listens to you attentively who lavishes on you graciously and though it may not always seem like it it may seem at times like you're going to that friend's house and waking him up and getting him to finally begrudgingly do what you're asking him to do from God's side, he knows the needs of his children. And he only gives them good things, and he does so above measure. To our God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that ye ask or think, be glory now and forever. Amen and amen. These prayer are the most important conversations of your life. What can you learn from Jesus' teaching? How can you be more transformed into his likeness by what you've received from the word today? Maybe you need a change of approach. Maybe it's a better understanding of what prayer is and who your God is. Maybe for you, from that human side, it's more persistence in prayer. Not because you need to get God to begrudgingly do something, but because God desires and loves to see the faithfulness of his children. 